0: There's an amazing story in the Old Testament that is so well known around the world. It's the story of a prophet, and his name was Jonah. Jonah was a prophet of Israel in the Old Testament. Now, that was a calling and a job where God would speak to his people, and he would do it through a person called a prophet. And so, One day, the Bible says in the book of Jonah, this is a a four-chapter separate book telling this one story. And God, it says the, the presence of God, Jonah was in the presence of God, and God said to him, I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to tell them they have 40 days. And if they don't repent, judgment's coming on the city. The next line says, Jonah goes down to Joppa, a port, and gets on a ship that is going to the furthest port in the other direction. Gets on board, pays for his passage, and he heads away from Nineveh towards Harshus. Now, this is right at the edge of the Mediterranean, going into the huge ocean, um, and it's as far away as you can go. So he heads out. And a storm of all storms hits this boat. The storm is so bad that the sailors are freaking out. And so they're praying to their gods. Back in those days, you know, everybody had some kind of a god. And they'd always talk about the gods and who, the, who angered the gods and how do we sacrifice to the gods. And so they began to each pray to their own gods and it just got worse And so they cast lots to find out who's the turkey on the boat that some god is mad at. Now, casting lots was the way they all would try to hear from their god. Now, we're not completely sure on what this is, but it was some kind of pebbles that when you cast them or you'd throw them out, that they would say something, yes or no, and they had a way of trying to figure out what God wanted. So the captain, he's got all of his people around they're going to die and they cast lots. And lo and behold, if it doesn't nail him, Jonah, what have you done? So Jonah tells them the story how that they said, who's your God? Where are you from? Where are you going? What's happening? That all these questions. And he goes, well, he says, I'm a Hebrew uh, and I serve the one God. And he says, and I'm his prophet. And he sent me on a job, and I disobeyed. And I'm heading in the opposite direction. And they went, what are you doing? Look what you've brought on us. How do we stop this? Well, he said, it's, you'll have to throw me off the boat. Now, let's talk about lots for a minute, because before I go on with the story, I talked to a lot of people today who are confirmed atheists or agnostics and they don't believe in God or they're not sure, but so it doesn't really matter to them. But if you start talking to them about luck, they've got a lucky sweater when they play hockey. They got a lucky rabbit they put in their pocket when they do business deals. I've even talked to guys that had lucky underwear. And, uh, he's, and so although they don't believe in a spirit world or a God or a real devil, they seem to all believe in luck, which is a spirit force. Whether they're gambling, oh man, you go to Vegas and listen to some of these guys talk. I mean, you're either good luck or bad luck. Do they want you around or don't want you around? And, and so when they cast lots, it was interesting uh, that That's even how the Hebrews would try to hear the voice of God because the presence of God was not in a born-again believer yet because people, Jesus had not died. He had not forgiven sins, which is what when you accept Christ, the presence of God cleans up your spirit and his presence enters, and then that's at an incredibly different way to hear and get direction from God. So this guy's in the old covenant. So they've cast lots; they know it's him. He says the only way to stop this storm is to throw me overboard. They oh, we can't do that. So they they just try to row for, for for mainland or row for the shore. But the ocean gets worse, and there's no way they're going to make it. And so. They grab him, and they throw him off the boat. (laughs) Thought I'd just throw that in there for a minute. (laughs) This guy is sinking down through the water, and in his own words, he says, I knew I was going to die. It was like the bars of death and that I would never live again. I would never rise again. And then it says in this Jonah book, as Jonah's writing this, that he's sinking down and he's passing the mountains, you know, at the bottom of the oceans and the seas, there's mountains. And he says to the very base of the mountains, he has sunk and he's getting wrapped in seaweed and he cries out to God. And the Bible says God had prepared a fish and this fish came out and swallows him. Now, big debate with people. There's, there is no fish known to man that's going to keep a person um, you know, alive for three days. And you know, I probably agree with that one. Uh, but the Bible says God prepared one. And so it scoops him up. And it takes him back to shore. Now, the second they threw him off the boat, the Bible says there was an instant calm, just, whew, was just done, and all of the sailors knew that it was that Jonah, the guy they threw off, and it was his God uh, that was directing him back into his will for his life. And it's interesting, the fish, this big fish, gets him back to shore, and I mean, there's only two ways out of a whale. So thank God he was vomited. I mean, out he came. And uh, from there, we'll we'll go a little deeper into the story, but from there he goes to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh, the reason he turned around and went the opposite direction is because he hated Nineveh. All the Israelites hated Nineveh. Nineveh was one of the worst. It, it, it's not an Israelite. It's, it's a Gentile nation. They are so cruel and brutal and wicked that they not only did war, but they would literally destroy people, cut them up, hang them off walls, skin them. And it didn't matter if you were a woman or a child. They were known for how barbarous they were. In fact, 160 years later, another prophet, you know, they, they, they turn and, and, and they were destroyed. He prophesied the destruction of Nineveh. But so now in this time frame, Jonah begins to walk through this city. And the Bible says it takes three days to walk through it. It's one of the biggest cities in the then known world, Nineveh. And he's telling them, God sent me. You've got 40 days. And if you don't repent, it's going to destroy the city. So this wicked, warlike, I mean, arrogant group they repent. Shock of shocks. Israel's not repenting at the time with their prophets, but this Gentile wicked nation repents. The king comes out and covers himself in ashes and puts burlap sacking over himself. And the whole city repents. Now, after he gives this message, Jonah goes, you know, he doesn't know yet what God's going to do. Doesn't know what the city's going to do. He's given his message. He's spoken it out and he gets out of the city. And he's kind of parked in his own little area. And he's watching, waiting, and I think hoping God's going to take him out. These murderous, horrible people who've killed family and loved ones. And he's just hoping to take them out. But here if God doesn't forgive them because they have repented. And the story of Jonah is fascinating because when you look at it, you've got a mature person called a prophet that has been given instructions to do something and he completely disobeys god turns around and goes in the opposite direction now the big fish wasn't there to hurt him you know when you hear the jazz music da, da 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 you know he's glad he was dying he was he was about to breathe his last wrapped in seaweed at the bottom of the mountains at the bottom of the sea That fish saved him. God had already figured out some transportation, and he got him to shore. And so everything about it was helping this man. When you get out of God's will, it's a dangerous place to be. The Bible is very clear in Proverbs that there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. You see, your mind, the voice of your mind is reasoning. But the voice of your spirit where God speaks to you is called conscience. And so we've got to be very careful to serve God, get to know God, so that we can hear what he wants in our lives. The Bible says every one of you in this room, every one of you, that God has called you with a calling. And then in Romans 8, it says that before the foundation of the world, he knew you. So that means that even before Adam was made, he looked ahead and he knew the time frame that you'd be alive. And that in in Psalms 139, it says that everybody here, when you were in the womb, that God put within you the gifts and the abilities that would make you uniquely you and would help you on the path that Ephesians 2.10 says, and I love the way the Amplified Bible puts it, that he has prepared ahead of time. He's not going to force you, your choice. In fact, when Jonah was thrown off the ship, he could have still done what he wanted. But somewhere between the surface and the seaweed, he got smart. And he cries out to God, okay, I'm done. I'm going to go wherever you want me to go. I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. The safest, most amazing place you could ever be is in the will of God. When you study the Old Testament scriptures uh, about being in the will of God, it says that if you're in God's will, it doesn't matter how dangerous it is, not one hair on your head will be touched. Not even stub your toe on a rock. No one will stand before you. Nobody will be able to take. You will live and you will, it, 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 when you're in the will of God. And so it's interesting. Now, the Old Covenant is different than the covenant. Now, the word covenant means the agreement between God. It is a legal, spiritually legal agreement. And in the old covenant, they they did things different. Now, in the new covenant, we don't need prophets to hear for us, okay? Now, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verses 14, that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the ones who live like sons of God. In other words, if you really are a child of God, then God wants to lead you specifically. He doesn't want you to run around looking for a prophet, a pastor. Uh, I hate giving people advice or helping or make the decision for them. I won't. People will often ask me, we'll have a chat, we'll talk about wisdom, we'll talk about the scriptures, I'll point in the direction of a good book to learn to grow in, but I'm not making their decision for them because each of us must learn and develop in this area. In fact, the Bible says that it's very easy for us to become perfect in the things of God. The word perfect doesn't mean flawless, it just means mature. And so many of the decisions that we make in life can be made easily by knowing God's word. And as you learn God's word and it shows you how to live, It shows you the decisions to make, most of the decisions in your marriage, a lot of them in your finances, a lot of them in in, in raising kids, uh, what you do as far as church. There is a ton of instruction. And if you just follow that, you will know most of God's will. But then when you have to make decisions that aren't in the Bible, who do I marry? Which job do I take? God will guide you in such clear, even little things he'll guide you in. He is so concerned about you. In fact, in John chapter 10, the Bible says there, and Jesus says himself, that people who follow me, I'm going to lead them by name. In other words, there is this knowing that is so clearly for you that you know he's guiding you. Now, another thing that Jesus says in the Bible that always kind of bothered me was he said, if you love me, obey me. And I remember reading that the first few times thinking, Whoa, you have low self-esteem or what, God? Like, I mean, if you married somebody and just before you walked to the altar, they said, hey, if you love me, obey me. How many wouldn't walk? (laughs) You're all lying. (laughs) I wouldn't. I I don't want a relationship where, oh, this is about me obeying you. So why, why did Jesus say that? Because there is something about God's word, that as you learn the truth about who you are, and you don't just learn the word, but you obey it, your conscience develops. Now, we all think of the conscience as something that my conscience smote me when I did something wrong, and that is a part of it. But that's a very low level of conscience. The conscience is the voice of your spirit. Reasoning is the voice of your mind. And so if you just reason everything out, you'll make a lot of mistakes. The Bible says, you know, there is a way of a man that he thinks is right. But in the end thereof is death. God will lead us. And Jesus says very clearly in John 10, 10 that He'll always lead us towards life and the kind of life that is so amazing that it says there that it's uncountable as far as blessing and that it's hard to even understand at the quality of your life. But so many Christians don't take advantage of this. They don't believe it. They believe the reason you go to church is to get the list of things you don't do. And uh, you know you got to all carry a big Bible and and say, bless you. Thank you, Jesus. And and we act weird. And and that's why we call Dallas was talking about the culture of our church's spirit contemporary. We want to be spiritually alive, know God's word, but then we want to be able to walk the halls of boardrooms and mum soccer meetings and business in a way that is so contemporary and cool that people aren't turned off by the religiosity or how judgmental religions can be. And so I often say, I hate religion. And I mean it. Religion is brutal. Religion is where, where people judge one another and they make rules. And so we want people to know, we love you the way you are. We accept you the way you are. We know we can't change you. We know you can't change us. Your wife's been trying for 30 years. and She's given up. So, but God can. And so we need a safe place for people to come as they are. And in this place, experience God. And how do you do that? How does the, how does the voice or the clear direction of God get better and better? It comes by not knowing the word. It comes by obeying the word an evil leader in years past on this earth, Khrushchev, it was known that he had a photographic memory and that he had the entire New Testament memorized. Didn't him do him a bit of good. And the same is true for people at church. So many people, the Bible calls it the itchy ears syndrome. I want to know new things, new things. Why do you want to, you haven't got anything old working. Why do you want something new? So, the key to the Word of God is obeying it. And as you learn and obey, trust and obey was a chorus I sang as a kid. Your conscience. It develops stronger. And now it's no longer just kind of knowing right from wrong, which is discernment that we all have. You begin to sense specific direction. You'll know in a financial transaction, back out of that. You'll just sense, no, I'm not hiring that person. You're not babysitting my kids. And and, and I have found that as I begin to grow and learn God's word, but then look for making sure, God, what does your word say? I'm going to obey that. It's a soft answer that turns away wrath. Deal with my temper. Become patient. Develop the fruits of the Spirit. You know, put Him first. Seek first the kingdom of God. As you obey the Word, it's not like I say, Well, are you saying well, we have to obey it to be blessed? No, it's Jesus' obedience that causes the blessings to be yours. But a lot of life isn't just blind blessings, it's direction. It's getting direction from God. It's knowing what he has done for you ahead of time. It's finding you know, the pathway that he's prepared ahead of time, Ephesians 2.10 says, and walking that out. And sometimes life has some pretty critical things. We were teaching the other Sunday about, there's two words in the Greek for the word time, chronos, which means just chronological time that's always passing. But then there's kairos, and kairos is the word for a strategic time. In business, and in life, there are strategic times. And it even means critical times, crucial times, that you'd better make the right decision. Because if you don't, the consequences could be huge. And here with Jonah in the Old Testament, this is a crucial time. He had, he had been faithful with God. God had given him directions to, to lead and to guide Israel. Now, all of a sudden, he sends them away from Israel to this Gentile city, the most evil known. In fact, 160 years later, it's wiped off the map because they went back to the butchery and the sick gods and the idols that, that they worshiped and sacrificed human beings and their own kids. I mean, it just is gross. And they were taken out, but it was critical. that that, that Jonah went there. And the interesting thing for us is to recognize that God isn't the God of a second chance. He'll give you a ton of them. And it's not him doing anything to you. He's doing everything in his power to try to direct you back into the path that he has prepared for you. And I want you to understand today, as you look at this old Testament story, that you are exactly the same. Yes, yes, You can do whatever you want with your life. It is God who gave man in the garden the original freedom. Governments don't give it. God gave it. And that freedom even he honors. That is why he will help you. He'll tell you, show you, lead you, guide you, prepare a pathway for you. And in in the Bible, in in Ephesians 2.10, it says that you should walk in it. It doesn't say you have to walk in it says you should, and that it says living the good life, meaning that this path will take you to every possible place that is good. Personal Personal point here, I had a hard time with this one. I was raised in a religious denomination. My parents were pastors, but we would bring in speakers and go to conferences where, oh man, they would paint God that you do what God says. You're not going to like it, but do it. And you kind of go, oh, and I always thought well what does that mean and I, you know and then they'd say like if you're getting the ministry you're probably going to hate it but you'll be obedient to God and I thought well I want to get married does it mean I have to marry somebody I hate just to take one for the team or or what what what's he doing to us here and so to find out in my own study of the scripture that The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Did you know one of the the most amazing ways, one of the most amazing ways to know the will of God if you are growing and learning and, and, you know, and obeying his word is your desires. You begin to desire things and that desire will be a key to what God has for you. The word of God is an amazing you'd never go against the word. No direction from God will go against his written word. The Bible says that not one comma, not one astral ever uh, be. will he go against. It says heaven and earth will pass away before anything will he go against his own word. So the word is crucial. It's very important that we learn the Bible, and not in this religious way that so much of religion and Christianity has gone, but in this freedom of a relationship with Jesus, where the reason you're blessed is because Jesus died in your place. He went to hell in your place. Then he rose again to give you new life. And now he's seated at the right hand of the Father in a human body with nail holes just to represent forever. There's no written document up there, written in triplicate that says forever, you are gonna be in the family and nobody can take you out. No, Jesus himself who died in your place is up there with scars still on his body to remind us for eternity that it is because of him that we are able to live on this planet. You know, so many people think it's works. And we would be crazy to not obey the word the bible says godliness is profitable to all and for every area of your life what does that mean to live like god to think and be like god it's profitable in every area of your life your finances your your romantic life your marriage your, your every area your health to to obey the word of god it, he didn't put it together to you know just to if you don't do this it ticks me off no There are two parts to the gospel. Jesus, who died in our place, and he can help you determine that you'll spend forever, ever in heaven. But then, besides Jesus, the Bible has got a ton of his principles. And so, Jesus gets you to heaven. His principles help you on earth. There are no principles Jesus taught that you are going to have to figure out in heaven. There are no principles made. Once you go to heaven, none of these principles are for succeeding in heaven. Therefore on the planet, succeeding on the planet. And so when you go, oh, I don't like that. Pfft. When you don't obey the word of God, you get into trouble, problem after problem. And God is not just saying, well, until you obey me, I'm not gonna talk to you. No, he's, his presence is always guiding and leading. But your heart, your spirit is not sensitive enough because you, you, you just messed up. You know, the Bible says if your own heart condemn you, God is greater than your heart. But the way to hear, to hear from God clearly is that your heart not condemn you. And so your heart, when you get born again, it knows what we should be doing and not be doing. And when you go against the word, it's your own heart that begins to condemn you, not God. And now you just try to sense and get direction and you can't because you feel bad about yourself and you know, and you begin to doubt, are you, you know, are you good enough? And is God even speaking to me? And can I even do anything? And that's what religion does. The the reason I hate religion is because it brings all this lists of things that if you don't do these things, God is backing away from you. God's going to get you. No, he put all of the curses and the penalties that came against my life and your life. He put them on Jesus so that as you made mistakes, you could literally be so in awe that God's not gonna get me, 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 which all religious people feel like. Instead, you know, I walk in the freedom of the freedom of Christ. And then you begin to learn real quick. Now, when Jesus says, you know, do this, he's not doing it because he's got a problem with it. He's doing it because he knows if you want to succeed in relationships, in finance, in health, in peace of mind, these are the principles that will make you just be awesome on the planet. And so my challenge to you today is to recognize that the story of Jonah is an amazing way to see a man in a crucial time who chose to go against God. And God did everything in His power to redirect him back onto the path. And I like that. That even when I've done something and I'm ticked off and I'm mad and I walk away from God, you know, God's gonna do everything He can to bring me back on course. I mean, if He's gonna take Jonah, and make a storm so big, fishermen are freaking out that they'll even throw him overboard and He's gotta prepare a whale and uh, that, you know, just to get him back to shore then I know in the new covenant that's even better than the old covenant, the book of Hebrews says, he'll help me. And he's going to help you. But don't believe for a moment that to follow God's direction is worse for you or that he's leading you into religion. He will never lead you into religion. You know what he said to religious people? Jesus Christ himself walking the planet. We have multiple times where he would say things like, you, you're a whitewashed coffin. Look good on the outside, and inside is just death. He said things like that all the time to religious people. He said to one group, he said, You know what? When you get a disciple to follow you, you make them a worse a follower of the devil than you are. He hadn't, I mean, he was like cussing them out. And so it's about Christ and how much he loves you, and that knowing him and giving your life to him it gives us life after death. I got a lot of family in heaven, a lot of friends, you know, grandparents, friends, people, just people in the church that labored by our side for the last few decades and here in Calga have gone to be with Jesus. And we're going to party together forever. I mean, the Bible says it's going to take God forever just to show us his variety and his uniqueness. He's going to make a new heaven. He's going to make a new earth, but there is a hell. And it's not that God made it for you. It says he made it for the devil and his angels. But upon death, whoever owns you comes for you. And Jesus said, the only way in John 14, I am the only way. You can't just be this person. Ah, all religions are cool. We should all get along. And yeah, I agree. We should all get along and honor and encourage, work together, be friends. No problem. But the eternal truth is he's the only way. And that brings real urgency and real importance to the church of Jesus Christ to walk in love, to treat people right, but to share this message, this message that is about Jesus preparing a way for you, not just on this planet, but for all eternity. Would you bow your head with me? You know, if you're listening to my message today and you think, man, I want to make sure, I want to make sure that Jesus is in my heart, that I've made this decision. I often ask people, like, have you invited Christ into your life? And they say, well, I'm not sure. But I say, well, then the answer is no. Let's just make sure. And so I want to close my message down with a powerful prayer. It's a prayer that many of us have prayed, and yet there's many that haven't. And so I'm going to lead the entire congregation in this prayer. We're going to just all pray together out loud, but all across this auditorium, for those that are here that would say, you know, I'm not sure, or I haven't given my life to Christ. Would you please include me? Would just you folks just open your eyes and just give me a quick wave till I see your hand and put it right back down, saying, Yes, Pastor, include me. Thank you. thank you. Thank you, others. Say, yeah, include me, Pastor. Staring in these bright lights and just, thank you. Others, thank you. Others. Thank you. So cool those joining us around the world, and just pray this prayer as we hear in this auditorium. Pray this prayer with these amazing folks who've raised their hands. Let's all pray this out loud. Just say, dear God, thank you for sending Jesus. He took my place and all my consequences. So Jesus, come into my heart. From today and on, I wanna follow you my Savior, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to the family of God. It's, It's just a choice that you make.